are Hope Church Guildford. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering online. Please go to www.hopechurchguildford.com for more details. We look forward to getting to know you. Well, let me add my welcome along with Phil's to you. I'm so so pleased that you've come and connected in and joined in with us uh, today. And as you can see, it's always Christmas at Hope Church. <laughs> we do uh, love to obviously celebrate Jesus' life, death and resurrection, but also we want to thank the, the worship team for, you know, over this, this whole pandemic serving us so well. And it's uh, great to be able to... Uh, worship to the many different songs that they've uh, led us in over this this year and a half and um, so my name's Chris and I get the joy of leading our leadership team and just being part of our church serving alongside many people men and women uh, across our church and I, yeah it's really great that we can be together today and we're going to carry on our series which we've called Acts of the Church and the book of Acts it goes by many names Acts of the Apostles, Acts of the Holy Spirit but we're specifically looking at the occasions where the people of God that's the church gather together uh, to see what they do what comes up and to explore therefore what should Hope Church in 2021 look like for us today in Guildford and we're learning lessons uh, and especially as we get ready to prepare to meet again regularly we want to look back at the earliest Christians before there was any kind of traditions before denominations what did they do and therefore what should we be looking at for us uh, today and we've, we've seen all sorts of different things like it can only be done by the by the Holy Spirit we can't there's no point doing anything unless God is with us and we need to spend time waiting and seeking him that it's Jesus is the one who heals that he he is able to do amazing things that when the people of God gather together they are devoted to things like prayer and communion and baptism and all those kind of things and yeah, so it was really great actually to do a baptism last week uh, on Sunday hopefully you've caught up with that as we baptised Tim and dedicated uh, Tim and Anna's son, Moses. So we've been going through Acts of the Church, looking at what's going, going on in Acts. We won't go through the whole bit, we're just taking some events. And today I've entitled my talk, All In for Jesus. All In for Jesus, and that will come out. And it, basically we're going to see how there's no room for hypocrisy in the people of God and in the people of the church. Before we delve into the passage, before we hear it read for us, um, I just want to ask you a question for you to kind of think about. And the first one, I want to ask two questions. The first one is this. When is the church at its best? Just take a second. When is the church at its best? In fact, I'm going to get Sean and Phil, who are in this room, to to call out some answers, which I'll share with you. So come on, guys. When's the church at its best? When it loves people. When it loves people. Yeah, when it, yeah, people sharing, loving one another. When it's serving the community. Serving the community, yes. It's not just insular, it's looking outward, serving others. It's great. What else? They're on the spot Te- now. Te- teaching the Bible well. Yeah, teaching the Bible well, helping people to grow as Christians, discipling and loving Jesus, obeying him, trusting him. Yeah, helping others. Yeah. When it's full of the Spirit. Yeah. When it's full of the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. It's great. Some great answers there. You would have come up with loads as well. When the church is at the best, you know, we've seen that, haven't we? The church is full of the Holy Spirit, devoted to scripture, loving one another, praying for others, no needy people uh, amongst them. That's when the church is at the best. So here's a second question then. 
when is the church at its worst? I want you to take a second again at home to think about when is when is the church at its worst? When when is it just when does it suck? When is it not good? Come on, guys, give us some. When is the church at its worst? When it's about power and loyalty and brand over Christ and serving people. Great. So that feels saying it's when it's all about power, loyalty, brand above following Jesus, serving others, and doing, I guess, doing the things that we've seen in Acts. So when, when that takes, takes over and becomes more important, I guess, than, than actually what the church is called to be and do. It's a great one. When it's just inward looking, not looking to help others, just yeah. building up themselves. So Sean's saying when, when it's just all inward looking, when um, it's just looking to kind of serve itself and actually not look out, not help others, when it's kind of it's all inward focused. That's, that's just, it's not great. It might be good for a while and people might feel loved, but actually what happens is that no one's included, no one's added, no one's welcome, and it's all about them and never about serving others. And Jesus also said it's better to give than receive, didn't he, right? It's always better you know, to serve others, to look. Uh, that Isaiah that, uh, from Luke chapter 4 that Jesus quoted earlier, I've, you know, I've been anointed by God, filled with the Holy Spirit. What to do? What to bring new, good news to the poor? Set the oppressed free and so on. So, you, again, you would have come up with loads. And this passage, Luke, who writes the book of Acts, basically he, there's this little section where he does exactly that. He, uh, we've seen just the amazing fruitfulness of the gospel and, um, and the church of God powering forward. And he kind of summarises that towards the end of chapter 4, telling us how the people of God were and what they were doing together. And he gives an example uh, from a guy called Joseph, who later is called Barnabas. You would have heard the name Barnabas probably if you've read Acts before. And um, it talks about what they did. And then he compares that really to another couple called Ananias and Sapphira. And, uh, and here we get this contrast, the church being at its best versus the church being at its worst. And so we're going to unpack those two things in a moment. Before we do, I'll, let's hear the passage being read, and you can look out for those, the two different contrasts, and uh, the wonderful Beryl is going to read it for us. Take it away, Beryl. The believers share their possessions. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them, for from time to time those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Now, a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, 
How is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You've not lied to men, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died, and great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then the young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, Tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, uh, this is the price. Peter said to her, How could you agree to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in and, finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Thanks so much, Beryl. And um, yeah, it's quite a challenging passage, isn't it? And uh, it's a great one for us to dig into. And hopefully you spotted straight away some of those things that came out right from the start. When is the church at its best? Well, we saw, didn't we? All the believers, they're one in heart and mind. That means that they're, they're in this together. There's, there's unity. There is uh, kind of everyone's traveling on the same direction. It's like, yeah, we, we know Jesus is the head of the church and we're all together playing our part united in order to see uh, his his banner shared with all the people that we meet. It's, it's like to share Jesus with others and to help people to grow in him, to, to do community together. It's like everyone is, is united. It doesn't mean they're uniform. There's diversity, there's a range of ages, there's, there's difference of opinion, there's, there's different styles, there's, different, there's all sorts of differences. Uh, so it's not uniformity, but there is unity. There is unity together as they worship God and no one claimed that their possessions were their own. They shared everything. It's, it's just like this kind of, they have a heart to make sure that everyone who's, who's part of them are, actually aren't lacking, aren't... Um, sort of adversely affected through the, the events of life, the circumstances that come around, that people are supported and well looked after, where, you know, it says there's no needy persons among them. And, um, you know, and also we see the, the testimony of Jesus being shared and, and preached and, and given. It's important, isn't it, that the church of God is a church that actually preaches the Bible, that looks into it, that dis discovers it, that unpacks it, that, that reads it, that believes it, that follows it. And without God then, and without his word, without the Holy Spirit, without Jesus being the head of the church, then this it's pointless. You know, we might as well pack up and go home. It's so important, isn't it, to for, for us as we gather together again, as we continue to do that, as we meet online, that actually God's, God's word is front and centre of, of everything that we do and that we are united together 
going in the same direction, that we are um, making sure that actually amongst us that there are people that are taken care of, that we're not just looking inwards, but we're looking outwards. And this is really a kind of a summary we've seen throughout the last few chapters, over the last few weeks, um, a kind of a unity, a togetherness. We've seen the Church of God coming, gathering in homes and uh, in the temple. So that's like our, our Sundays and our groups. We've, we've, we've seen that come through. And then there's this moment where it says in verse 34 that from time to time, there was even some, you know, this the kind of, uh, I guess Luke is kind of showing, giving us an example of the lengths that some people went to. From time to time, there were some who even who owned land and houses, sold them, and then they brought the money to the apostles' feet. Now, it's not that everyone did that. It's not that it, they did that on all occasions or, you know, regularly, but it was just some. From time to time, that's what some did. They felt led by God to to do that. And I think it's just important to notice that with the money, they what would have perhaps might have been the custom of the day was if you were to lend money to others, they then become in your debt. If you were to give to someone else, they might become part of your extended household. They might serve you, uh, perhaps not quite as a slave, but they might serve you in some way. They, they owe you something. But these people, the church, actually, they didn't do that. They didn't hold anything over each other. No, instead, they brought all the money to the apostles' feet, to their leaders' feet. They trusted their leaders to make the decisions about where to distribute that money and that, that, that income. And what that meant was that they didn't hold power over anyone else. Actually, they were, they were willing to trust the apostles to, to take care and to make sure that the, the needs were distributed fairly amongst everything they see. Of, of course, the apostles would have had much greater oversight of all the different needs that every single person had from the widows to the orphans. And, and they trusted them with that. And so that's what they, that's what they did. And, um, but it wasn't everyone and it was only some and it was from time to time. And then it, Luke gives an example. So there's a guy called Joseph who we later know as Barnabas. And um, Joseph, he does that. He sells a field that he owns and he does exactly that. He brings it to the apostles' feet. And so uh, every, yeah, now and again we see people giving money to the church, to the leaders of of that church in order to make sure that it is distributed well amongst other. And so it shouldn't be a surprise to you then that at Hope Church, we uh, people give to, to us as a church. It, it helps us to do all sorts of different things. It helps, for example, to release myself and Leah, who's our operations manager, to make sure that we are released from, I guess, the burden of a nine to five job in order to serve the church, to make sure that, that everything takes place, that things happen, that that we preach the good news, that people are cared for, that, that all of that takes place. That's, that's one thing that we do with our money. Another thing is it pays for things like offices or buildings, somewhere for us to, to organise everything, to make sure that the distribution of the money that is given is taken, fair of, uh, taken, taken care of well. It also enables us to preach the good news of Jesus, to share, to, to buy Bibles, to give them away, to make sure that we're connecting online and we've got the resources to do that. It enables us to give away to, we, we, uh, to our hope works. I'll, I'll share a little bit more about that 
later and to make sure that we are distributing to the neediest in not just in our community in the church but also uh, across Guildford and so we make sure that we give money to the food bank to the CAP which is the debt money management centre that helps people we make sure we're, we're giving to shooting stars tastes to those who have children with um, terminal illnesses and we want to make sure that we're sharing the resources that we are given as a church to those who are in need and um, that's that's what happens with Hope Church and it's happened with every church all the way through the ages that is how churches operate people the people of God come and bring money and then that money is used in order to help the church uh, flourish and grow and thrive and to serve everyone and, uh, and it's important, therefore, because it's easy, because money can corrupt. It's important to have all sorts of different financial structures in place to make sure that there's the, the you know, because the church that is worse when power and money and finance actually can become corrupt. And so it's important to have structures in place, which we have. And again, I'll share a bit more about that later. But that is part of the conversation of when is the church at its best? When the, I guess, the leaders of the church are entrusted to serve the community to serve those in the church financially resourced as well as in all sorts of other ways and uh, and, and I, th- I think it's incredible this is a great example a stunning portrayal of the church in action at work and um, and then we get this the opposite view when's the church at its worst well just before I, I we delve into it Ananias and Sapphira they would have seen I guess the the kudos that Barnabas was given when he sells his field and he gives that to 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 the apostles feet and and I guess there was others that did that too and and I guess they're I don't know what was going through their minds but maybe they're thinking oh well I don't know we've got a spare house or we've got a house we've got we've got a field we've got land let's let's do the same and so they 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 get that already to to sell it and to give it but they they want the kind of kudos i guess of having given it all away but they don't really want to give it all away they can't entrust the whole thing they they need to make sure that if this new movement all goes belly up then well we've got we're going to be okay we're going to have our little nesting we're going to have just a little bit for us so we're kind of going to pretend like we're giving it all away but Let's just make sure we don't really and that we just keep a little bit behind for us. And so that's what they did. And so it says Ananias and Sapphira, they, they come along, they sold a piece of property and together in a conversation, they decide that they're going to hold a bit back. Ananias, uh, Peter says to Ananias, um, or oh, Ananias sorry, goes and brings it to the apostles' feet. And, and, and Peter says, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit? and kept for yourself some of the money you receive for the land and obviously Peter is I guess given that word of knowledge by God's Holy Spirit he somehow knows he can see what Ananias has done and he he, he asked me so like didn't the house it belonged to you in the first place like you you didn't you didn't have to sell it it, it was completely your choice there was there was no coerciveness there was no kind of dragging you making you have to you you didn't have to sell it that that was completely up to you and then he goes on and even after you sold it you the money was at your disposal you didn't have to bring all the money to us you you could have if you wanted to give some you could have just given some but but just say that you're given some and he goes on and it's like you haven't just lied to me he says what 
you know, what made you think of doing such a thing? You have not just lied to human beings, but you've lied to God. And I guess this whole scenario is it's quite strange. I mean, if you're a financial advisor on the face of it, you might think, well, what Ananias and Sapphira did was a good thing. Like, yeah, they, they've sold all the money. They want to give to a worthy cause, but they want to make sure that they've got a bit separated. And on the face of it, that, that seems very sensible. But really what they did was they, they brought through hypocrisy and deception. They wanted the, the kudos that Barnabas had for selling all this field. They wanted to look like they were all in when really they, they weren't. They wanted to kind of portray themselves as people that have, had done this thing and perhaps wanted the kind of the, the praise, maybe the, the adoration from the other people for what they had done. But, but in reality, they, they, weren't, they weren't all in. They weren't... Um, they, they, they wanted to make sure that actually, no, do you know what? We do need a bit of security. We're going to have this. And so, and, and they lied. And they, they, were, they were hypocrites, basically. They were, they were hypocrites because they were presenting themselves as one way when actually really there was something else. And do you know what the, the crazy thing is? There was nothing wrong with the other thing. You know, that's what Peter's saying. Hey, there was, there's nothing wrong with, you didn't have to sell the house. And even once you've sold it, you didn't have to give us all the money. But what you've done is, like, why are you, what, what's with the deception? Do you know what? The church is at its worst when it's full of hypocrites. When people say one thing and do something else. That is when the church is at its worst. And uh, it's, it's at its worst when you, when you get leaders, preachers, standing up, telling people about Jesus, and yet behind their back they're cheating on their wives. It's at its worst when people tell, tell, you know, they go to church, they, they play on the worship team, maybe, maybe they speak, maybe they lead a team, maybe they're on the youth team, maybe they're serving the refreshments, maybe they've got their hands up in worship and they're singing praises to God, but then they're gossiping behind their friends, behind their back at work, or they're, they're cheating on their finances, or they're, um, they're sleeping around with people that they're not married to, or they're watching pornography, or they're getting themselves involved in gambling debts and addictions, and they're, they're saying, Lord, Lord, I, I trust you and all I, all, yeah, you're everything I need, you're all I want, but actually really I need this as well and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this as well. It's when the church is at its worst, when uh, they talk the talk, but then they don't walk the walk. It's hypocrisy. And throughout the ages, when the church has been the most damaged, it's when people have said one thing and done something else. And recently, we've seen that all across, there's been many leaders who, they've, they've been exposed for the hypocrites that they are. When they come and they say, hey, I'm, I'm all in for Jesus, this is what I'm doing, come and follow me, when actually behind their back they're doing something very different, and they're being deceitful, and actually they're causing harm to others, or they're doing things that are wrong. And this is not what we are called to be, Hope Church. We're called to be a people who don't just talk, talk, but walk, walk. <laughs> We're called to be a people that, who, who we, we, we come to Jesus, we believe in him, we trust him, we obey him, and, and we don't just do that on a Sunday between 10 and half 11, but actually Monday to Friday, we are a people who live out what we believe. And that's, that's challenging. And, and it's important for us, therefore, to, to look into our hearts and to ask God, like, where, where have I deceived myself? Where have I deceived others where am i being a hypocrite where am i not where is my 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 words my actions not matching up 
And do you know what? The Lord is so faithful that he will, he will convict you by the power of his Holy Spirit. Perhaps he is already. Perhaps he's already speaking to you. Hey, yeah, do you know that thing? You've, you've been pinned off. I've been speaking to you about that addiction or, or that lie or, or that way you've been treating your neighbours or, or that whatever it is, that, that way you've been acting with your colleagues. I've been speaking to you about it. You've been ignoring me. Hey, church, today is the time not to ignore, but to, to come before God, to repent, to, to say, Lord, I believe... I trust you, but help me in my unbelief. That's a great prayer. We see it comes out through scripture. I believe, but help me in my unbelief. Help me, Lord God, when I, I, I do believe, I believe that you're all I want and you're all I need and you are my security. But when I then get those moments where I think I need to have my little, my, my thing, I need to hide away in this way, I need to hide away in that way. Lord, help me in that unbelief. Help me not to go to that, but instead come to you. Help me to be all in for you, Jesus. Help me, Lord God, not to hold back. I think, I just believe that's what God's calling us to. It might be that you've been holding back in some way, because that's what they were doing. They were, they were holding back something in some way. And I wonder if you've been doing that. Maybe you've got a gift of, of preaching, but you're holding back and you're not, you're, not, you're not coming forward. You're not joining the preaching course. You're not, you're not getting involved. You're not joining the youth team or the student team or the, a life group. Maybe you've got a gift for singing or for playing a musical instrument, but you're holding back and you're like, oh, well, I, I love you, Jesus, and I love what they're doing, but that might all go to pot and I'm just going to, I don't want to go down with the sinking ship. That's, that's what Ananias and Sapphira would do. And so you're not, you're not giving your gifts. You know, it's, maybe you're holding back in other ways. So you, you could be holding back in all sorts of different ways. In, that's, that's one thing that I think God might challenge us with. Or you might just be living a double life, that your, your actions and your words... Are, are not matching up you're you're saying x y and z but you're doing q r and s i don't know what what that might be for you and i can't god hasn't given me the gift to look into every single person's heart and to know like peter did peter just seemed to knew what what was going on and he and he got right to it i don't know that but actually that's not the point in in peter says hey you haven't you haven't just lied to humans, you've lied to God. You've lied to the Holy Spirit. And he says, how has Satan so filled your heart that you've lied to the Holy Spirit? I don't know what your deceit or your hypocrisy might be, but God does know. And do you know what? God is the same yesterday, today and forever. And as this new, the new people of God, in this moment where everything, you know, tongues of fire, they're bursting out. People are being added 3,000 on the first day and then 2,000 later on. And they're, they're spilling out into the streets. People are getting baptised. They're devoted for one another. In the midst of all of this great hurrah, God wants to remind us, hey, don't forget this. If you're going to talk this, you've got to walk it as well. You've got to live for me. You can't just do it on Monday to on, on a Sunday morning, but actually every single day of the week. And so uh, this is it's right in the midst of like the church booming, the church growing, the church is on fire. And Luke reminds us, hey, but this happened. And I believe he just wants to remind us again. Hey, this this can happen. And we need to ask God to speak to us and to remind us what might it be? I, I won't know but you will know and the Holy Spirit knows and he can help you to come in your unbelief to repent, to say sorry, to say, God, help me in my actions. Hey, you might need help and support. And if that's the case, hey, we're here for you. You know, it might be that, you know, I've recently, I've done a steps course, which is a great course. And it might be that you, if, if you've been, say, caught up in like a, 
a bad behavioural kind of addiction thing that you've tried to overcome and you've, you've tried to get through it, but you've just not been able to. Do you know what? Steps is a great course that can help you. I'll, I'll happily run it with you and I'll go for it. I've been through it myself and I'll, I'll do that with you. Or you can get together, you can join Phil's Bible study and they're, they're, each week they're grappling with scripture and, and just working that through together. You can get involved in a life group and every week, whereas as you talk through and you just, iron sharpens iron as one person sharpens another and we just, you help each other along. You help, you know, Jesus says, before you can take out the plank in someone else's eye, you need to take out the speck in your eye. That doesn't mean that you don't ever help someone else with the, what's going on in their life. It's just that you need, just need to address yourself first. But you do then end up going to address the other. When we're part of a church, we help one another, which is why iron sharpens iron. And so the only way to, to do that is to be part of community together. It's why we do life group together. It's why we, we do church together. And so I want to encourage you to submit yourself to a group, to, to group leaders, to, to be part of that, to open up your lives and to allow people to speak into it because that's how we get rid of Satan worming his way in and causing division and disunity and um, deceit and hypocrisy. And all, none of that has any place in the church of God. We don't want that. But it's easy for it to worm its way in. You know, this isn't even the first time that it happened. Back in uh, Joshua, it's around chapter 7, we get the, the people of God, they've, just, they've gone into the promised land, they've had a great victory at Ai and Jericho, and, and they're bursting forward, it's very similar to this, and then what happens is they, they, they have a, a, a wonderful victory, and God says, you, you can go in, but don't plunge it, don't take stuff for yourself, and Achan, he goes and he, he takes stuff and he hides it underneath his, uh, his like bedding. And it's, it's, it's funny because it's, it's finances again, which is why we're going to talk about money in a moment. But he takes it and he hides it. And what happens is that God strikes him down dead again. He, end, he ends up dying. And do you know what? It's the same God. Yesterday, today, forever. And God wants the new people, this, this new movement, as they, these Christians, as they just bursting out the scene, as, as they're gathering, as they're seeing his, his, his spirit fill them. He wants to remind them, hey... Just because it's something new, just because this feels like a new movement, just because I've taught you about the grace of the Lord Jesus, it doesn't mean that I'm not a holy God. It doesn't mean, actually, that I will just be happy for you to be hypocrites and to be deceitful and be liars. No, actually, I'm the same God yesterday, today and forever. And just as I, I judged what happened then, hey, I'm going to judge it today too. Now, it doesn't seem like this is a pattern um, for... All Christians, I, you know, I, haven't, I don't know anyone who's dropped down dead because of their hypocrisy. But I think it is a warning for us. It's just a reminder that the church is at its worst when we allow that deceit and that hypocrisy to, to seep in. And we need to make sure that we are people filled with the Holy Spirit. And I, I'm talking to myself, you know, I'm all, whenever I preach, I'm preaching to myself. And then I'm praying that this will bless you as well. And so as I've, as I've been grappling through this, I'm asking God, God, where, where is the deceit in my heart? Where is the hypocrisy in my heart? Help me, Lord God, to, to, to rid it, to, to, to shed the, the sin in my life. Um, but through the power of your Holy Spirit to, to work on my character that I might live for you and be obedient to you and trust you every waking hour of my day. And I'm praying, church, that, that we do the same. That as we continue to gather, as we go about our weeks and our days, that we are, that we are not just, yeah, 
walking the walk. We're not just talking the talk, but walking the walk. And do you know what? As we do that, the church will become attractive. And it will continue. And this is, this is, it's in the midst of all this that the church grew and it continued to. And do you know what? Our church is growing and we need to make sure that we aren't just growing numerically, but we're growing spiritually, that we're maturing, that we're making sure we're shedding sin, that we are walking in humility before the Lord our God. And so I just want to encourage you again to just be thinking, where is the sin in your life? Where is the hypocrisy in your actions? So I mentioned that um, it's not just with uh, Ananias and Sapphira, but it was also Achan. The, the root, I guess, of their sin is hypocrisy. It is deceit, but it, it played out in finances. Where is their security in? And for, for Ananias and Sapphira, they needed to keep something back. And that was the same as Achan. He kept hold of something. And money... It just comes up again and again and again. In fact, Jesus uh, is estimated that of, of everything that's recorded in the, the whole of the New Testament about what he says, about 15% of that is to do with finances. It's to do with money. You would have you remember things like where your where your heart is, that's where your where your money is, that's where your heart will be. And um, Jesus, he talks about it 15% of the time. If, we, if I did the same, then eight Sundays a year, I would be talking about finances. And as it is, actually, I've never talked about regular giving on a Sunday morning. I have spent, back in 2019, three weeks talking about occasions where the people of God came and gave one-off gifts as a one-off free will offering. But we've never, since I've been here, we've never actually talked about regular giving should people give regularly to the church is that something that that we should do today should we even encourage it and so i just want to take a, a moment to to talk about that to to spend today one sunday of the year talking about our regular giving and i and i do this not because we're not particularly in any financial need uh, so it's, there's no like agenda hidden agenda behind it but i just because as you look at this passage there is a, there's a root here of finances that was an issue for Ananias and Sapphira. It was the same as Achan, and it was the same for the rich young ruler. As he comes to Jesus, he says, look, I've obeyed all the laws, I've done all the stuff. And then Jesus says, well, okay, go and sell all your stuff and, and, and then give that to the poor. And it's like, oh, no, I can't, because it's the finances. It's like, it's, that's where really my heart is. And so it's important for us to talk about, because Jesus also said it's much better to give than receive. Our society tells us it's much better to receive. Hey, you, you get your wages, you keep hold of it. It's better to have more house, more car, more money. There's the things that will make you happy and well. And yeah, I'm just very aware that, you know, just this week going to the hospice, sitting with someone in our church, nothing that they talked about was to do with money or income or finance. It's all to do with relationships. It's to do with church, it's to do with knowing God. Is my, is my family going to be all right? Is my, is my, is my spouse going to be all right? You know, we spend our whole lives consumed often by money and income and growth and property and all that kind of stuff and, and just getting the next best thing. And, and yet, it, it's the thing that actually moth and rust will destroy. And Jesus tells us to store up treasure in, in heaven, actually. And so how can we make sure that in the midst of all the, the practical needs that we have, in the midst of our lives, that we hold money and finance and treasure in the right balance in our hearts. 
the, the solution that we see throughout the whole of the, the Old Testament and the New Testament, even before the law was given, but after the law was given, before Jesus came, after Jesus came, is to give some money away uh, and specifically to the people of God. Uh, if you are a Christian and you are part of a church, I want to encourage you, whatever church you are part of, to give some of your money to the church, to, to lay it at the, the leader's feet, a bit like what we've seen here. And um, I'm not going to pull out chapter and verse why I think that comes through. I'm just going to kind of assume that you're happy that that comes through the whole of the Bible. If you're not, I will happily sit down with you. But there's a, a few key things I want to help you with. And that is, I've got some new flowers. You might have noticed that. And um, I know Beryl, you would have noticed, hopefully. Um, <laughs> she encouraged me to sort it out, basically, because we had the same one for weeks. And the reason why I've got these is because flowers, or like any plants, they have seasons. They, they grow and, and they shrink. They, they sprout and they wither. There's, there's times of real great growth and then there's times of not so much growth. And um, they just go through different seasons of life. And in the same way, our, our finances go through different seasons of life. And sometimes our income increases and sometimes it decreases. But regardless of whatever our finances look like, throughout the Bible, actually, we get this, this uh, kind of idea of proportionality and that the people of God are encouraged to proportionally give freely out of what they have. There's no coerciveness. There's no control. You don't have to. You, you can be part of our church and not give at all. And I would never know because I don't, I don't look into those details. That's not my role. But the people of God are encouraged to do that, not even necessarily for the church's benefit, though it is a benefit to the church so they can do all that we, we want to do, but for, for your benefit. Because where your, your heart is, that's where your money will also be. Or where your money is, that's where your heart will be. And if you're, you're part of this church, then giving to this church is a good sign of where your heart is. is that you're, I'm in. I'm, I'm invested. I'm, I'm for it. And, um, and so there are, I, I want to just encourage you, there's some things that might help you. And one way, one way in which has helped me is the whole plants analogy. So there's going to be a picture of a plant that come up. And when I first started being part of a church, then the first step for me was just to, to give once off. I, 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 at one point, I'd never given at all. And I, I just felt it was right. Do you know what? I'm going to give once. And that might, be, that might be a step for you. It's just to, to give once. Over these next six months, why don't you just give, give once? Um, that might be a step for you and I would encourage you to do that because it just it reminds you and your, yourself that actually everything you have is not your own actually it's a gift from God everything you have your mind your brain your job your if you've got a house your house if you've got a car your car or flat whatever it might be wherever, it's all a gift from God he gave you all 100% of it just like he gives you 100% of all your time in every day and yet sometimes it's, it is good for us to give back to that, to, to give back to God, to give to, to his church. Why? So that we just remind ourselves, where does our security really come? It really comes in God. It's why people fast. It's why people pray. It's to remind ourselves, actually, I don't, it's not food that gives me my nourishment. Actually, it's God who feeds. It's God who, who gives me everything that I need. So one step for you might be, I'm just going to give once. After I remember after having given once, the next step for me was to give regularly. 
once a month, maybe it was when I got paid, or once a week if I got paid, you know, there were seasons where I got paid every week, and so I would give once a, once a week. And, and so for you, it might be to, to give once, yeah, on a regular basis. Just whenever you get paid, you, you get your wages, I'm going to give a, a proportion of that to, to the church. And that's, that's up to you. Throughout the Old Testament and into the New Testament, we get this idea of tithing, which is like 10%. 10%. And the third step for me and Catherine on our journey to giving was to work towards giving 10%. Now, 10% is a lot of money. Um, it, it, it can feel like a lot, certainly, and it, and it does for us. And so that step from step two, giving regularly, to step three, giving 10%, actually was quite a long journey for us, um, working up through the percentage. We just try to add a percent each year um, to get to, to 10%. And the reason uh, we, that, that happens, we see that again throughout the old the, Old Testament we see this like 10% this tithe giving and I'd encourage you that might be something that might be your next step to work towards giving 10% but then when Jesus comes along um, just like with everything he does he, he always goes to a step further so when the commandments say do not lie he says don't even don't even think hate uh, don't even like yeah don't even think hateful thoughts or when it says do not murder it says don't even don't even hate people in your heart when it says do not commit adultery don't even lust people with your eyes and in the same way as giving the rich one ruler comes along he's he's following the law he's given his money he's given his 10 percent, and then jesus said why don't you go even above and beyond there is this generous giving step which um jesus seems to encourage the people who've got to do don't just settle with what's the minimum i can do but actually what else can you do because I've given you everything anyway, I gave you all 100%, then well, what, what more can you do? He, he, Jesus always encouraged his followers to ask not just how much, but what else? And that is the spirit of generosity. And that's something that, again, me and Catherine, we try to step into regularly. To how can we, what more can we do? What else can we do? How, how far can we go? God, how lavish could you be in, in our lives and through us? Because, it, again, because he says it's better to give than receive. And so that's what we've been working out. Now, I get part of the reason why it's taken so long for me to just talk to you a little bit about encouraging you to give for your own benefit, mainly, is because as a church, we've also been on that journey. Uh, over these last three years, we, we had to work to, from going between step two and step three, giving around five, six percent, up to giving to 10 percent. And we, we, we worked through that. And in fact, this last year, we gave away 14 percent and we're projected to give away 15 percent in this next year. And the, the money that is given to us as a church, I've mentioned a bunch of things already, but that 15 percent or the 14 percent we give last year, the 15 percent we give this year, that goes to things like food bank. It goes to cap. It, it's gonna, it goes to church planting. Uh, it goes to commission, which is the apostolic movement that we're a part of that has planted four churches just in these last six months. And it goes to making sure that the word of God is progressed, is shared, it shines through, that Jesus is glorified, that needy people, those who have been hot, uh, the most worst affected by COVID are looked after and cared for. And so as a church, we've been on this kind of journey. And do you know what? All of this is about proportion. So for some, it, the amount might be smaller and for others, the amount might be bigger, but it, the, the, actually the amount is irrelevant. It's the portions that God encourages us Jesus encourages us to to think about and so I wonder what, what about you on on our plant tree what might be your next step in this journey of of giving in this journey of kind of 
understanding God's grace to you, trusting that He is all, He is everything that's in you, that, that everything you have is from Him. What might be your next step? It might be a one off gift. It might be giving regularly. It might be working towards giving 10%. It might be seeing what, what you can do above and beyond. I don't know what your next step is, but the reason why I want to encourage every single one of us over these next few months to think about our next step is because back into our passage, it was the finances, it was the wealth, it was the security of income that, that, that was Ananias and Sapphira's downfall that's where satan got in that's where he got in for Achan. that's where he kind of gets in it's it's i guess it's through the heart and that's what happens is that it deceives our heart and that's where we then start not just being hypocrites with our finances but with all sorts of other things i just want to reiterate that there is no obligation there is no coerciveness there is no you don't have to give to be part of this church you can be fully part of every part, every aspect of this church without ever giving a penny uh, the reality is that I would never know anyway but we I have a commitment to you to make sure that we are preaching the gospel that we are sh- going through acts that we are sharing what what I believe that Jesus would encourage us to share and I just know that the issue of finances can be a stronghold in people's lives like it was in this passage and I don't want it to be a stronghold in yours and so I want to in a moment I want to pray for you just before I do I just want to say one more thing and that is that Uh, As a church, we have a financial commitment to you, and that is that we make sure that we establish secure handling, counting and recording of all gifts. We make sure that we prepare and manage a budget, and uh, we make sure that we conduct external audits, and we do that annually. We make sure that we provide regular reports to our trustees and to the Charity Commission. We make sure that we provide an annual financial report to the church, which we do every January. And so we did that uh, just last January, six months ago. We make sure that that our financial systems are robust, and we have an excellent trustee team that do a fantastic job in helping us to do that. And so I I want to encourage you because, you know, you might be wondering how come we are, because we do every single Sunday morning, we'd have heard Phil earlier, hey, you can give to us as well. And here's our financial details. Why do you do that? Well, we do that without apology because lots of people ask for your money. You know, Costa asks for your money. The cinemas ask for your money. The shops ask for your money. But I believe that when uh, you give to the church, that is the very best place that your money goes to. When you look through all the different things that you give to in a month, I believe the church is the best one because that is where the gospel of Jesus is, is shared. That is it's through the church, it's through the people of God that we help to alleviate poverty. It's through the people of God that we help to start new churches that we have to equip people and raise up leaders it's through the church that we share yeah that we share jesus that we continue to grow this message this gospel mandate that he has given us and so i want to encourage you if that's you why don't you start giving it's why we don't apologize about it i'm not going to i want to encourage you even if you're new do you know what you can give and i and i believe that that the place in which you put your money if it's in hope church actually it'll be a great place but you don't have to there's no obligation and that was exactly the same for these guys here. And you might, I don't know, sell a packet of sweets. And you know what? Even once you've sold it, if you've got that money, you can keep it and you can do whatever you want with it. You don't have to give it to the church. That's the reality. That is, it's open-handed, but it's, it's, it's for your benefit, uh, not just for the benefit of every single believer who belongs to Hope Church. There you go. Let's, I'm going to pray. I've talked enough. Um, yeah, so let me pray. Heavenly Father, as we continue to grow into all that you've called us to be as a church. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be 
a people, every single one of us, from the youngest to the oldest, a people who not only uh, raise our hands in worship, who not only enjoy Sunday mornings, who not only go to a group, but actually live out every single area of our lives in that way. That we, we don't succumb, Lord God, to the hypocrisy of saying one thing and doing another. Help us, Lord God, to not deceive ourselves in any area of our lives, um, whether that's relational, uh, whether that's uh, with, yeah, I don't know, in, in any area, but certainly, Lord, in, in our finances. Help us not, Lord God, to be deceived in this area. Lord, we just recognise that that can be a barrier, it can, it can be a stronghold in our lives. And Lord, I pray, would you release me from the, all the different pressures that I feel and I have from, uh, from the hypocrisy in my own heart? Would you help me, Lord God, to, to follow you in every moment, in every step of every day, Lord God? And I pray that for every single person of Hope Church, that we would be a people who, who, who walk and talk in in unity together, who, who are people who, who share the good news of Jesus in our lives, in every single area. I pray would you help us, Lord God, not to, um, yeah, not to succumb to deception, but actually to be a people who are faithful with every single area of our lives. And so, Lord, thank you for your word to us today. Thank you for this book of Acts. Thank you, Lord God, for how you are equipping us, how you're encouraging us, how you're helping us to step into all that you've called us to be. And I just pray today, Lord God, that you would help us, Lord God, to, to live for you. Today, Lord God, help us to live for you and be obedient to you in everything that you've called us to. In your heavenly name, amen. Thanks for listening. We're meeting online every Sunday at 10am. Head to hopechurchguildford.com for more information. We look forward to seeing you.